So, ladies and gentlemen, you know, we want to talk about the subject of gentrification, but we need to talk about it more so in the historical sense. What if I told you that gentrification is just a modern day, what they would call race riot back in the day. Now we're going to take an example of the Harrison race riots of 1905 and 1909. So let's talk about this. So they said that they had the Harrison race riots of 1905 and 1909 drove all but one African-American from Harrison and they put in parentheses Boone County, which is in Arkansas is by creating violence and all white community assemblies as such as they call it sundown towns in Northern and Western Arkansas with the headquarters of the Knights of the Ku Klux Klan located nearby. So they say Harrison has retained the legacy of its ethnic cleansing in terms of demographics and reputation through the 20th century and into the 21st. Now they say the U S census of 1900 revealed a black community Harrison of 115 people out of 1,501 residents. They say this constituted a vibrant community that despite its poverty had a cohesive culture and deep roots by all accounts, relations between white and black communities were relatively friendly and stable before the race riots. So say they dependent of course, upon the expected subversions of black citizens to white people. So the catalyst for the change was the St. Louis and North Arkansas railroad. Is it later the Missouri and North Arkansas railroad? which was built through Harrison in 1901, exciting the populace visions of prosperity, but the railroad went bankrupt by July 1st, 1905, creating hardship for the town folk and the railroad workers who had moved to the area. Now the completion of the rival Missouri Pacific line, which ran through Omaha. And they also talk about this is also located in Boone County, 15 miles North of Harrison left many uh, more unemployed, both black and white. So some found their way into Harrison while they lack a difference. They said, now they said they had been independent and used to being paid well for their work. It also inflamed the ire of Harrison's white residents. Okay. So the issue that started happening, that Harrison fell for his black population came to head on October 2nd, 1905 when a white mob stormed the jail and took two black prisoners of whom they had been charged two days earlier with breaking into Dr. John J. Johnson's residence along with several others and transported them outside the city limits. There they whipped uh, these particular captives and all them to leave. And then the mob went on a rampage throughout Harrison's black community as they numbering about 30. They burned down homes, shot out windows and ordered all African-Americans to vacate the town that night. They said many did fleeing to places such as Fayetteville, and Eureka Springs or to Missouri as in the following days, the people who had stayed were attacked and harassed. And on October 7th, 1905, J E Hibden member of a posse shot and killed a black railroad worker, George Richards at the Omaha railroad camp. Okay. So as we continue to talk about this, they talk about the civic power structure of Harrison likely approved of the mob action. So of course these people no different than today. You see the proud boys getting escorts by the police department. Understand? So a lot of times when black people were ran out of town or they stuff was destroyed, it was sanctioned by the powers that be. Now they said the remnants of the black community Harrison 
lived a tenuous existence until 1909 when Harrison's transformation into an all-white town was made complete by yet another riot, okay? So they said the second round of violence was January 18, 1909. They say at the arrest of Charles Stennett on the charge of raping a white woman. They to stem the potential for mob violence, Judge B.B. Hudgens made provisions for a speedy trial on January 21st, Stennett and the victim, Emma Lovett, testified and the jury went to the closed session at 11 a.m., returning guilty 34 hours later in the sentence with death by hanging. Okay, so upon hearing the news, Lovett uh, was gravely ill after the trial. We're talking about uh, the white woman. As they lynch mob foreign and proceeded toward the Harrison jail, Stennett was transported to Marshall, but the continuing presence of the mob resulted in another mass exodus of black citizens from Harrison. Most left on the night of January 28, 1909, following some of the same roads their predecessors took four years earlier. Only one black townsperson, Electa Caldonia Melvina Smith, known as Aunt Vine, remained. It said the property of those who left was quickly declared forfeit. Okay? So I'm bringing all of this up, right? To talk about how black people lost land they lost our homes we lost a lot of our wealth through many of those means over and over and over and over again now we're talking about harrison arkansas now over the years this had to morph into something else because see the white supremacists when they look at something they they can't just keep you know they look at it and say listen we getting too much media attention for what we're doing, you know, we have this civil rights movement. We can't keep uh, doing this mob violence. We can't keep hanging them. We can't, we can't, it's some things we just can't do anymore. So we got to figure out other ways to disenfranchise black people. Now, the purpose of the mob violence was to displace and take black people's things away from them. That was the end goal. They did it by a very open and violent means. So as they start to morph that and have these conversations, understand these people have conversations about us. They figure out new ways to disenfranchise us. They figure out laws they can put on the books to disenfranchise us, to sabotage our growth. And they, they always try to figure out ways to steal from us, our hard work, our efforts, they try to figure it out. So they say, you know what? We can't be burning them out. We can't shoot their windows out. We can't, you know, have black people just running out and taking this stuff from them. No, we can't do that. They said that in Harrison, all the black people left, they said, oh, they forfeited their property. So basically white people just went do what they normally do. Uh, the white supremacists for sure. And just take and just taking things that, that doesn't belong to them. Taking black people things that they work hard for to build. So as, as we look at this, we look at the next step, how later down the line, they redlined black people and they wouldn't let black people get access to these FHA loans when they first came out, but they had access. So then you start sabotaging black people again. But as with time, they start seeing, well, we can't keep doing that. They got a fair housing act now. We still got to figure out another way to take this stuff. So they got together and they said, you know what? I got it. I got it. 
we're going to take these things away from them. We already got them in a messed up financial position. They only can afford so much money on their property. So what if we do this? When we want to go in and take their area from them, why don't we go in and start buying property and setting up businesses? Now, once we do that, the area is going to change from being called a bad neighborhood to now it's starting to be a good neighborhood. Now, why is it they would say that? Always remember, a, when they say it's a good neighborhood, that means it's a white neighborhood. If it's a bad neighborhood, it's a black neighborhood. You understand? When, it, when we think bad neighborhood, black people, we think in crime, a bunch of crime going on. When they say black, bad neighborhood, they mean black. Now, recent, not too long ago, I think last year, that came out on the Next Door app where white people was asking, where are the good neighborhoods at? And where are the bad neighborhoods at? And they, and they had revealed on there, they were saying, you know, where's the white areas and where's the black areas? They wanted to know. And they constantly label black areas as bad. So they go into this neighborhood and they start buying they, The first thing you may see is a Starbucks erect that you've never seen before. All of a sudden you may start seeing some vegan spots opening. All of a sudden the whole food shows up. All, you know, all of a sudden, all these, these dog grooming places show up. You notice the trash all of a sudden started getting picked up on time. You know, the police won't let Pookie and Ray Ray be out in the corner no more. You know, all of a sudden you see the uh, 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 Mazungu women running their dogs at 2 a.m. But before you would never, never be outside at 2 a.m. doing anything because it wouldn't be good for you. But all of a sudden now, uh, you know, uh, Miss, Miss, Miss uh, Becky could run with her little, uh, her little dog at two o'clock in the morning. She ain't got a care in the world. She ain't scared of nothing because now all of a sudden the police is patrolling that area and making sure it stay right. So they keep on buy buying things up. They may, you know, take knock down an old apartment complex, put up some brand new condos. You know, you tripping out about seeing all this growth. All of a sudden you're starting to see more and more Mazungus out in the area that was predominantly black. Then as a result of this happening, they building all these businesses, they building condos, they remodeling this, remodeling that. Now you have developers going knocking on black people's doors. You did knocking. Hey, uh, sir, ma'am, we'd like to buy your house. We're ready to buy it right now. Yeah, we'll offer you um, 40,000 for it. We'll give you a $4,000 check today. And, and we just want to get the property. And of course, there's some black people like, oh shoot, man, I'm out. I, 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 I never seen much money in my life. I'll take that kind of money. And they sell the home. Or some of them say they ain't selling nothing. And then you have, you know, issues come up where these people start to be harassed and all this because they're not selling their home. But eventually let's say they get the homes that they want. Now all of a sudden, because they came in now, the city is going to raise up the property value, which raises the taxes. Now black people can only afford to live in these areas, whatever the prices were. They can't have no big jumps in rent.
For example, prior to these people showing up, let's say the rent was $600 a month. A year later, after these people showed up, now all of a sudden they want $1,800 a month. Well, you couldn't afford that, but this is what happens. If you can't afford it, then you're getting evicted. You understand? And so everywhere you're staying and they know it's affecting black people more so specifically, they can't afford the rent increases. They can't even afford the property taxes. Now that's so much higher on their homes. That wasn't like that before. And this is the nonviolent way they take black people's property. They take over your area. They morph it into what they want. You understand? And they, this is how they went from white mob violence to a peaceful way of taking your land away from you to the point that you're not fighting back because you say, Hey, I can't afford the taxes. You willingly just walk away from that because you say, I can't afford this. I can't afford that. But prior to these people showing up, you was, you was affording your home. You was affording everything. So understand that these people do not change. They just learn to craft their evil in a different way. And you don't see them going to the Asian uh, areas and gentrifying those places. You don't see that. You don't see them going to where Arabs are staying and doing that to them, but they make sure to come to black areas and do it to us. They constantly want to disenfranchise us. They ran when they had their white flight, they ran to the suburbs. Now they, they, they have a thing. Now they want to be back into the city. And because they want to be back into the city, they're going to have to get all these black people out of there. Bottom line. You can look at right here in Houston, third ward. Third ward is being gentrified with a black mayor. Now a black mayor, you would think that would kind of look out more for the community. Wouldn't allow that stuff to go on. But unfortunately these politicians don't really say much or they go along to get along. Or some of them are collaborators in it. I'm not saying that he is a collaborator. But some of them are, some of them are. And these people, you have to understand they, 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 the whole thing is about stealing from you. That's, that's been the history It's stealing from you. Like you work hard, you, you, you do what you're supposed to do. And these people still try to figure out a way to steal things from you. My thing is I have, I have a thing like, I'm not going to be beating up on somebody that can't fight me back. I mean, at that point, that's just wrong. You know what I'm saying? You constantly looking for new ways to sabotage them. You constantly looking for new ways where you could hold them back. And then you go and tell them at the same time, nobody's holding, holding them back. You get what I'm saying? Black folks got to get all the knowledge that they can from a thousand places. But you sitting on the knowledge that you didn't have to go do all that. You know what I'm saying? Because you don't want black people to know nothing because you don't want them smart enough to outsmart you and stop you from your oppression. But understand the mob violence to get you out of your place just morphed into gentrification where they do it in a nonviolent way. And they do it in a perfect way because no one is getting hurt. No one is getting killed at all. And they love it that way. The system can keep going. You can keep being the biggest consumer and get nothing out of anything. That's the issue and problem that we have when we see the 
my violence that's been based on race morphed into gentrification. We as a people got to pay attention to these systems that's in this country and realize that these systems are the same. They ain't went nowhere. They're not going nowhere until we as a people make it go somewhere. And that's whoever it is. Understand? It don't matter what color you are. If you look at that as wrong, then it's wrong. Nobody should be getting gentrified out of their neighborhoods. That shouldn't be happening to nobody. But they make sure to keep doing it to us because they want to take over where black people are staying. And they don't want to do the right thing at all. They want to, they want to do a lot of sneaky, underhanded devilments. And we as a people, you know, my wife had made a statement one time. I thought that was an interesting statement. I said, it's true. She said, you know, I, I, I see them coming in, in the black neighborhoods and they just building it up. They put new streets. They're doing this. They're doing that. They try to move, you know, all the uh, brothers and sisters out. So she was saying, you know what? You know what should happen in the community? Let all the people who like middle class and up come in and when they had rent out all these condos and new apartments and all this nice stuff, start just taking over the properties. Everybody start renting there. And then some people can even like be a landlord. She was saying, and let them build up the community on their dime. I said, yeah, that that's actually not a bad idea. I said, but we got to get together as a people to pull something like that off. And that's what gets, that's one of the things that get me so frustrated at times about us as black people, because it's like, you know, if I can liken this to Marvel characters, it's like black people is to me, our strength is like the incredible Hulk, but it's like, we are afraid to unleash it. We are afraid to be unified. We find every excuse in the book, not to be unified, every excuse instead of finding the solutions to these problems. Because if we came together in unity as a people, it's nothing that we could not do. Justification wouldn't work if we were together because if we were together, we'd have our own economy or we wouldn't need them for anything. You understand what I'm saying? Unification is, 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 is the thing that we must do. And people ask me questions all the time. Well, how can we unify? I'm going to tell you this one. My job at, in media is to give you the information to inform you so you can go out and, and, and unify. You can go out with, with education. So you know what's going on in, in the community throughout the world. In other words, we're supposed to equip you with that. But when you say, what's the solution? You know, for me, I'm always going to say the simple thing. Well, the solution means just to get together and, and with, with the people that like-minded, at least at first, and start making change in the community and throughout the world. Because unfortunately, we got some black people in our community who don't want to unify. They got some black people in our community that want to be so divisive with each other. Even though that's not hurting um, the system, that we are part, they love it. They everybody benefits from black people's relationship with each other. 
they they know some of the dysfunction we have, but we know that all that dysfunction came from the Willie Lynch letter, and and, and that letter is verbatim about what's going on with us. But they don't want us together because listen, with listen, I'm repeat what J. Edgar Hoover said. He said Negro unity is a national security threat. I'm gonna repeat that again. He said Negro unity was a national security threat to United States of America. You unifying. No other group in this country can say that the FBI has said that your unification is a national security threat. Isn't that crazy? But yet this is what these people have said about us. Our unity, because they know if we truly get together, this gentrification won't be a problem. We can put it, we can put it into it. We can say, no, go in, go in your own neighborhoods and do what you're going to do. Leave us alone because we building, we building in our own neighborhoods. Now we got to be on code with that to want to build something. Whether you're building something here, whether you're building something in the Caribbean, whether you're building something on a continent or wherever you at build something. But don't let these people come in and to sabotage you and not call this mess out. Because like I said, we have, now we know that the Mazungu mob violence morphed into gentrification, but they still had the same end to the means. One was just peaceful and the other one was not. At the end of the day, they took homes, they took jewelry, they took this, took that. They're thieves. This is call it what it is. If we come together as, as, as listen, the whole black world don't have to come together. If we had got a, a, a maximum 50% of people got the same mindset that we have. Could you imagine what was going to happen? Cause the other 50, you know, some of them going to be converted. That's why it's important to have more and more people awaken out here and more and more people focusing on the right thing because these people are inventing new ways every day to disenfranchise you, to steal from you, to, to hurt your self-esteem. They're always trying to figure out some way, form, fashion to do that to you. To me, that's too much energy to be worried about some other group like that. But I don't even worry, worry about people like that at all. I'm trying to figure out issues and, and things in our community. But what I'm saying is we should be hostile toward gentrification, no different than those in Harrison, Arkansas. Cause you would hear what happened in Harrison, Arkansas. You would say, Oh my God, that's bad. But somebody getting gentrified to me, that's worse because at least the other way you knew it was coming and you could even fight back now. And those who think they won't use this COVID-19 to try to get rid of black people out of certain areas too. Now, cause these people, like I said, they always invent new ways of evil. Like I said, but America is not going back to what it was before prior coronavirus is not, and they better get ready for it. I know they long for the days of how it was prior to coronavirus. There's a bunch of new normals that we're used to now, a bunch of them. And they better uh, get used to that. 
But for me, and what I'm saying here is that the only thing, and I'm going to repeat this again, the only thing that can combat gentrification, which is just the latter form of mob violence against black people, still in, still in their homes, still in their resources, doing everything you can to, to break us and break our spirit, we got to focus on the unification. We got to. Sure, some people don't want to unify, and they don't have to. Tell them, move on somewhere if you don't want to unify, because we want to. And it's always going to be somebody show up when you're trying to do something positive, show up to be all uh, upset, bothered, offended, or just trying to play and disrupt. Because, you know, some of these people, you got to be careful. Some of them could be working for them folks. So anything they can do to disrupt black unity, they're going to do it. This is why we got to hold the line and, and whatever they try to say about people that's out there, you know, speaking for the community. Make sure you always got their back. That's all I always say, because that's, that's the people that's going to disseminate your news. That's going to share your podcast, etc. So you want to make sure that we always keep coming together and they, and, and every day you got people coming together, but we've got to make sure that that's priority number one, because these people are unified extremely against you and me. They set up there and morphed mob violence to gentrification. They went, they, they went from the Ku Klux Klan hanging you to the police shooting you 17 times. Listen, all that stuff is done by design. It's all done by design to, to steal more things from you and me and not have any kind of legacy for our children to build upon. Thank you for listening to the Philo Scott audio experience. I hope you learned something from our program. Make sure if it's your first time here, go and check out all the episodes that we have. Start binge listening. That way you can get acclimated to everything that we're talking about. If you like our show and we would greatly appreciate you liking the show, support us monthly. You can do it as little as a dollar or more support of the show helps us to keep going, helps us to change, upgrade, buy equipment. You know, eventually we're going to start bringing guests in and we want to make sure we put on a great show for you guys. So support is definitely something that we greatly appreciate. We definitely appreciate all our supporters that we have now. We love you. We cherish you. Thank you for everything that you're doing. See you next time.